Coming up in Need to Know, we reviewed the fashion from the 2023 Met Gala. In all the feels, my partner Ed joins the show to help us explore how the attraction of opposites isn't radical, but natural. And in Gotta Do, our annual Money May series begins with the white supremacy of credit scores and the ongoing inhumanity of living paycheck to paycheck. We offer tips on uprooting it all. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your very best life. This right here is Ward and Webster. Hello, Bianca. We're now doing a letter. I have an announcement to make. No, uh, the letter is J. Go ahead. Joyous. Uh huh. <laughs> I have tickets to see Beyonce in Paris. I'm not even commenting because there was no plane ticket for me. There was no invitation for me. There was no, no text message. No, hey, girl, hey, can you get on a flight and come with us? This was a trip that clearly was planned and it did not involve me. But you know what I did, though? I was like, oh, Isaiah Webster third, you know, our, our, our good, good boo, um, Billy Porter is going on tour and we'll be Mm-mm. here June nope. 2nd. I was like, we should go nope. see him. And you're nope. like, I will be in Paris. Not, not just Beyonce, but Beyonce in Paris. This is a once in a lifetime thing. And get this, I didn't even give you the best part. We didn't even pay that much money for the tickets. I only paid $200 for my tickets. So let me tell you what happened. Obviously, I'm going to Paris for a whole nother reason. I'm going to Paris to watch tennis. And it just so happens that Beyonce is going to be in Paris the same time that I'm there because the universe wants me to have nice things. And so my friend Carmel, who was on the show, what, last week, week before, she's like, you know what? We should try to get in because why not? She's there, we there. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But I'm not paying $500 to see nobody unless their name starts with Madonna and ends with Madonna. No. So we looked at our options and there were seats available on like the mosh pit floor for like $200. And then there was like elevated seats for like 500. So of course we went with the mosh pit floor. So we're going to pretend like we're teenagers and we're just going to go out here and be all smushed up against French people and listen to B sing her little ditties. <laughs> her little ditties. You are so stupid. So there's multiple things that, again, I was not invited, but neither here nor there. It's because you are you. The fact that you were like, let me just go online and buy the tickets just amazes me because, which I figured would happen because when people were in an uproar when they first came out and waiting online for hours and the special codes and all of that shit, like to buy these tickets, given very much Willy Wonka, (laughs) it was... Unnecessary. Unnecessary. And you were like, let me just go and get it and and done. Mm. But you know what? I do have something joyous to convey because that's your letter, right? Joyous. (laughs) The great Serena Williams, the greatest athlete to ever live on this planet is pregnant. And that is joyous. (laughs) It is so joyous. I just, when she posted that. I hated the dress, but I love it. Me too. I we'll get into that. We will. But I love this. I love this for her. I feel like when we had the whole episode dedicated to her, you even mentioned like the retirement. She wants to have another baby. You better predicted that. You may have seen that in the stars. But I just 
I am, yeah, when I saw that, I was super hyped, super excited. I love that. I, I just, oh, I love, I love, I love. One thing, one more thing before we get into the, to the, this week's show, I'm so excited that Ed's here. So last week, I think it was last week, B, we were talking about Noah's Ark we and the, re- the reboot. So since you and I last spoke, Ed and I watched the pilot of Noah's Ark because neither one of us had actually seen Noah's Ark, believe it or not. So he's like, we should watch this because y'all were talking about it. And this is like a, an important thing. Let's watch this. I'm like, absolutely. So we screened, um, we, re- we went back and watched it. I think it was on Paramount Plus or wherever they, they have it posted. I watched the whole, I watched the whole pilot episode and Bianca. I thought it was horrible. Pilots I thought are it was always horrible, horrible though. Did now, you watch past the pilot? I, did, I haven't. And so Wait, I, I had said, on. I had said, I wanted, does it get better? Cause it yes. was really bad. We had a whole, even look, even in our pilot episode, we talked about how pilots are always horrible. Well, I was great in the pilot. You were, you were the one that couldn't be heard. Don't say I was just like, well, wait, does Noah talk in that mousy voice for the whole first season? Because it was, I was like, what is this, sis? Keep watching. You're so annoying. Keep watching. And we had a a, a little um a little mishap because when we did talk about that, we talked about Noah's arc coming before Queer as Folk, which is definitely wrong because Queer as Folk was out. Yes, yes. I like I, five I years before that. One thousand percent. So we'll offer that correction. <laughs> um, and they rebooted that. You know, I had said I wanted to see a few episodes before we spoke, but I just didn't get around to it this week. You know, life was lifing, as you say. Mm-hmm. So I am going to give it a few more episodes, but I, there was nothing in the pilot that I enjoyed. There was only one character that I even liked. It was the, um, the professor, the dark skin mm-hmm. one, the, the more mature guy. I liked his character and I want to know the, I, I want to dig into the story between he and his partner and, mm-hmm. and the baby, the little girl and all the rest. That is interesting to me, but I thought Noah was boring. I thought the little the little slutty one that works in the store, I thought she was boring. The little chatty Kathy that's always got something sassy to say. I don't know all their names because I've only seen one show. I thought he was boring. Like, I just did not enjoy it at all. I thought the writing was flat. I thought the acting was horrible. I thought that it was so cliche-ish. So like, I don't know if you remember the pilot, but they mm. were talking about the Golden Girls and they uh-huh. had a cheesecake in the refrigerator and someone pulls out a cheesecake. And I'm like, this is so cliche. It was also and 2005. Why no. not like? <laughs> so, so 2005 means that they, they're allowed to be cliches in 2005. Is that what you're saying? I don't, no, I don't follow. But I think I, you have to go past the pilot. Okay, I can't believe you're enough. giving so much critique on the pilot. Because it didn't do what a pilot is supposed to do, which is to draw you in and make you want to watch the show. After that, I wanted to turn the shit off. But, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna trust you on this one. What if again? What if people judged us on the pilot? They would think that I was fabulous and that you couldn't be heard. You're... They would be like, "She needs to buy some good materials of some good equipment over there because we can't hear what she's saying. She's mousy. Speaking of mousy." Ah! Anyway, one programming note. So we are, Bianca and I are aware that the coronation of King George III took place earlier today in the United Kingdom. Congratulations to King Charles and to Queen Consort Camilla. We'll let you know that we're going to be reviewing the coronation next week with a special guest, but we already had today's shows planned and we didn't want to change it. So we'll get to that next week. (laughs) Because we do what we want to do. In this week's Need to Know, we review the looks from the 2023 Met Gala with a theme honoring Carl Lagerfeld. 
Okay, so for those of you who are new to the world, the Met Gala is a high-profile fundraiser event for the Metropolitan Museum of Art for its Costume Institute, and the event usually marks the debut of the Institute's annual fashion exhibit. So this is an annual event that they have in New York. It's a fundraiser for the Met, um, particularly the Costume Institute. And so that is literally the point of this. And so when you see all of these extravagant costumes and such, it kind of all fits together because it's all about, you know, highlighting the Costume Institute. Each year they have a theme. Some years the themes are great. Some years it's like, what's this, sis? And then this year they were honoring Carl Lagerfeld. And that was a choice, Bianca. So I'm going to mute my mic and let you tell the wonders why folks were in their feelings. I was scrolling through my Instagram and it was actually a, a Vox post that I had shown, seen first about Karl Lagerfeld and kind of why this was a bad decision or why he was so controversial. And he just was the shit that he would say his thoughts. You had an article here that we will definitely um, post, but it's, it's, he was fat phobic and had multiple comments and things that he has said about plus size women and, and fat women and et cetera, et cetera. And so, which I thought was also a tickle because a lot of the posts that um, I had seen of some of the stars on the Met Gala carpet, people were like, oh, Carl would be rolling over in his grave if he saw uh, Lizzo this here he inspired gown lizzo ashley graham um there were a few folks and people were like why are they on why even honor him if he wouldn't have liked or appreciated or found them to be worthy of his things in the first place so that was one but also i didn't know about the um the his thoughts on the me too movement did you know about this I didn't know any of this because I don't follow Carl Lagerfeld or really fashion in that way, but apparently he had lots of opinions and mm-hmm. I can appreciate the person with opinions because of course, me and I have plenty of opinions here. It's just that some of his opinions would, I think, be, would catch a lot of people off guard. Like, for example, he didn't particularly care for marriage equality and he felt some sort of way about two men getting married and walking down the aisle. And he thought certain he had feelings about the Me Too movement. He had a, feelings about migrants and 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 the former G- German chancellor Angela Merkel and he had feelings about Andy Warhol and calling people ugly and fat and you know he, he just had a lot of things to say he had a lot of shit coming out of his mouth basically wasn't was he not a gay now look <laughs> Ooh, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I didn't know him personally so I don't know because it says know. here he spoke against gay men who wanted to adopt children. It just goes on the list. Migrants, sexually assault, sexual assault survivors, just all these things that he spoke against. But he was, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. He wasn't, he wasn't again. And I'm serious. I don't know. Okay. Um, so we can do some digging on that and maybe share that with the winners. But here's the thing, Bianca, even in a normal year where people, where the, where the theme isn't necessarily controversial, people don't follow it. So like, I thought that the controversy about this was kind of ridiculous because I'm like, look, even in a normal, I'm sorry, quote unquote, normal year, we got folks ignoring the theme anyway. So if you're not feeling Carl Walkerfield, then just pretend like he don't exist like you do every other year. I mean, <laughs> and keep it stepping. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's it. That's all. Okay. Let's get into these looks. So Bianca and I are using 
the list from Vogue magazine. They have done all of the Lord's work to dig up 210 looks from the Met Gala. It's a very comprehensive list. So if you want to see really a very comprehensive list of who wore what, just go to Vogue.com. And of course, we will share the article. I don't know that this is ranked, Bianca, but number one on their list was Rihanna and ASAP Rocky in Valentino. What you got here? I like Rihanna once she kind of took off this um cocoon of of rose so first of all there were a lot of capes so clearly capes were were a thing so I now know because I wasn't as familiar with Lagerfeld and his style until maybe a a few days up into the Met Gala and then just watching because I watched live on E. So some themes that we definitely saw throughout the red carpet black and white pearls, capes, um, tweed, just, yeah. And then cats, because apparently he had this cat. So people felt like that was appropriate. We going to get into a little cousin, little Nas X in a minute, but uh, um, yes, we will. Yes. So, but going back to Rihanna, I, once she had taken off the, the cocoon of roses that kind of gave me a, a cotton ball feel like once that came down um because I think it had like transformed then I liked it her belly um I love a belly I thought that was pretty I I didn't I didn't know about the hooded rose thing first though I thought it was cute it's a lot of volume but again she's many months pregnant so it works here because she's got you know a body to cover and then it was kind of a reveal because she took off the top I didn't I didn't mind it actually I can be critical I have been critical of her on on this space but in this show on this show I've been critical of her on this show I actually don't mind this now ASAP Rocky I don't know much about him I think he's a rapper correct he is there's only one thing I would change hmm can you guess what it is? The jeans underneath? Yes. Now, now I don't know. Maybe you understand. Because then he's giving his own um, no, little black no. boyhood feel. But no, I, no, saw, no. I saw the original outfit that this was a replica of with mm-hmm. the kilts. And, the, and I was like, okay, ASAP, I see what you're doing here. And then he was like, but I'm still going to put my jeans on and they're going to be sparkly. Uh, this I hear that this strikes me as a man that felt uncomfortable wearing a quote unquote skirt, even though it's not a skirt, it's a kilt. He didn't have the balls to go the extra mile and not wear the pants. And I'm giving him no points because this this doesn't this is not courageous, Bianca. This is not courageous or edgy. It's just you wimped out. You went you you got 90 percent. No, I'm serious. He got 90 percent there on the look. And then at the last minute, it looks like he decided to wear jeans. I don't I don't like it. It ruins the entire look. Moving on. Next on this list is Cardi B in Xinping studio. Hope I pronounced it correctly. I love this, Bianca. I do, too. She is just so fun. And even her interviews, like when she was on, just, she's just adorable. I just, I, yes, this, this just, again, with the roses, because that was a thing, the black and white, the hair, even her second look. Also, the other thing I learned about the Met Gala, because there's like kind of all of this, this, a little bit of this secrecy of like what happens inside the actual function, um, because you don't really, there's concert and performances or whatever, but we don't really get inside. But I feel like there were more inside pictures and selfies and people posting things. But anyway, her second outfit, I feel like it was like a pink and gray situation, um, was just as pretty. But this, yes, I really liked. She just looked, oh, 
just adorbs. She just looked like a cute cake topper. Number four on Vogue's list is Pedro Pascal in Valentino. Now, first of all, do you know who Pedro Pascal is? He looks familiar, but I can't place him. He's on, he's on a show. He's having a moment right now. The only reason he's remarkable to me is because on the internet, everyone's like saying he's like the hottest daddy right now. And I don't know the name of the show he's on. I really should look it up, but I don't care enough to. Um, he's like this hottest daddy right now. And I think he is so overrated because I don't think this man's very attractive, which the wonders might find stunning coming from me, but I really don't. And I don't find this outfit to be flattering at all. I was not moved. By it. I don't know. I, I didn't even see him. I, I don't. Mm, I, mm. It's a lovely coat. Mm-mm. So Bianca, I'm just literally going to go down the list. And if I pass someone up that you want to talk about, just stop me. But I'm going to go all the way down to number eight Anne Hathaway in Versace. This little white number. I don't know how you feel about Anne Hathaway, but you know, to me, this is a really cute edgy look with the like the sleeves that's cut off at the shoulder and kind of like the this rope work that she has in the dress. This is really cute as like a costume number at a, at the Met Gala. I guess costume. She looked hot and cold at the same time because the fabric was like a tweed something. So it looked heavy, but with all of like the safety pins and the, the cutouts of it, then it was like, I don't know. It looked heavy. It just looked heavy. Oh, and I guess it was a coat. Is that a coat she's holding in her hand? I don't I know. I think so. I, I didn't love it. And this was one of the, this was on quite a few of like the best dress lists, but it didn't do anything for me. I wasn't moved. Donatella Versace is next on the list wearing her own label. Is it time for us to do a prayer circle? Cause she looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she's always looked this way. So maybe we could lift her up. I don't, I don't know, but I think she's always looked this way. So even when we're like, she, this picture, she looks like she needs iron. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep going. Number 10 on this list is Jennifer Lopez in Ralph Lauren. Now, I love some J-Lo. I, I, I live, truly, y'all, I live. But I wasn't feeling this, Bianca. I, I don't, you know how I feel about bellies being out. Her bellies and arms are out and her shoulders are out, unnecessarily so. She's got a long train, two long trains. And I, I just... When, hold on, because again, you tickle me, church auntie. Because when is Jennifer Lopez's belly, arms, and chest not out? I feel like... Even the even the classic Versace dress she wore with the green, where she, where it was like mm-hmm. sheer. Even then, she was more covered than she is here. You would what? you would she was she I, wasn't because that dress I'll, was like completely see through. I'll put them side by side for the wonder. She was uh, um, her belly and and arms and and literally the only thing literally above the waist the only thing that's covered is her breasts. That's all that's covered. Everything else is exposed. But it goes up to the to camera. Ne- it goes up to a neck. It's a mock neck. She's completely covered from the shit, the belly button down because you can't even see her belly button. <laughs> so go ahead, J-Lo. Damn it, let's, she's she's 69. She can do whatever she wants to do. Let's get to the first cat on that this was just- list. <laughs> on, that was and Oscar De La Renta. Now, of all the cats we saw, and there was a, a, there was a guy like in a complete cat furry, <laughs> but of all the cats we saw, I think Doja Cat did it the best. Doja did it very well. Because she's given feline realness. Okay. She is. She had, they were um, giving a lot of props to her um, makeup team because they were talking about like the prosthetic that she had did on the nose, but how it just looked effort, like it just looked, it looks like her face. 
that nose looks like her face. She was like, I'm going to lean all the way in because I am Doja Cat and I'm going to give you this cat. And the back of this gown was, this was really, I'm not mad at it. I, I, yes, 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 yes. Number 13 on this particular list is Lil Nas X in Dior. People had extreme reactions to this look. People said that it was the best look of the night and people said it was trash. Now, I thought that it was, I thought it was stunningly good. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of surprised that people had anything to say about it at all. Uh, Just to put some of the criticisms that I saw online, people say that they got the reference, but that he didn't pull it off well enough. Like some of the pearls were not there. Like it it looked kind of shoddy up close. I thought this was well done, particularly from the back. Now I'm looking at a picture from the front and this front is underwhelming because if you're going to, if you're going to do a pouch like this, it needs to be a full pouch, (laughs) not, not a size cream. I'm just, just saying, but I thought his, I thought his back shot was stunning. So sexy. I thought it was perfect for the Met Gala. Like this is what, this is the, the, the costume. Okay. Let me go back. I was watching, again, I watched on E. I can't remember who the other three hosts were, but um, Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye was uh, one of them. And one of the things that, uh, one of the things that they had mentioned was that everything, like a lot of the, the gowns, et cetera, like they were doing this whole understated and elegance. It was a lot of understated and, and elegance for the Met Gala, which is very different than what it usually is, which is more kind of the costume element. And they were literally like, I'm I'm waiting to see a little bit more, you know, out the box. And then Lil Nas X came on the screen (laughs) and it was literally like, yep, this is the funky fancy shit we want to see. Yes, yes, yes. And when he turned around and gave those silver ass cheeks. Mm -hmm. Prince would have been proud. Uh, Right? Number 16 on the list is a man that I don't know, but he's very attractive. His name is Bad Bunny, and he's wearing Jacquemus. Jacquemus? I don't know. Okay. You don't know Bad Bunny? Okay, it's fine. I was going to ask you, who is this? He's a, um, an artist, a, a musician, a rapper, a singer. What is, you know what? Let me not lie. Bad Bunny is, um, our, our homegirl Rosie likes little Bad Bunny, so okay, now so I'm going to mess it up. She's going to be mad. Um, we'll get to his outfit <laughs> in a second, but I want to spend some time just on his beautiful face and lips. This man is gorgeous. Okay, there's this uh, gorgeous. Jet black hair, slick to the side, full lips, goatee, perfect skin, gorgeous. Now, let's, let's, let's pull this look together. The, I'm going to start with the, with the jacket. Bianca, if you, just, if you zoom in on his, on his suit coat, it's not tailored. Do you see that? It looks like you and me could get in that coat with him. That's not, that's not tailored. He, it looks like he bought it off the rack. I can forgive him. Did you see the back of it? There was a back? I didn't see the back. I'm looking at the front. And so the back was like completely cut out. Okay. Take a minute, Google the image. I'll Google the back because that might change my, you know what? That might explain why it looks the way that it does on the front Mm -hmm. because there's no back to support it. Okay. So maybe I do need to see the back, but from Mm -hmm. the front, this is what the shot I have here in Vogue. It looks like the coat doesn't fit. White under normal circumstances would be a no-no, but this is the Met Gala red carpet. So I get it. Now I'm going to let Bianca take this. I don't even know what to call this. Uh, handheld train. <laughs> Again, it was about these, these trains and capes. Like that was the thing. There were so many fucking capes. <laughs> does this go? Does, I don't like this. <laughs> it, I, I would have preferred even a boa. I would prefer like if he would throw it, that it, over it, his shoulder. 
mm-hmm. maybe, but the way I just don't see the functionality of this of this with the garment. It doesn't make sense to me. It was a boa. <laughs> it, it was a, a boa. I mean, that's essentially what it was—a long rose boa. Well, why um, isn't he? Well, in his photo, why isn't he taking a photo with the boa? He's carrying it like a train. Because I think if he then if he put it over, it was so big. If he put it over his shoulders, it would have then blocked the the back cutout. Okay, well, maybe I just need to see a, a different picture because I think I'm not getting what he was really serving because I don't see the back. I'm not seeing that it's a boa, but he's gorgeous. So he probably should have just wore less clothes and we would have been happy with that. I was showing it to you, but I don't think you can see it. Are you not looking at me? Oh, yes. Yeah, he wore too many clothes. <laughs> yeah, he wore too many clothes, but that's, you know, that's a choice. Now, all these women with their bellies and shoulders out. Now, if he would have oh had his God. belly and shoulder out, I would have been here for that. <laughs> But Lil Nas X gave you belly and ass. <laughs> anyway, but Lil Nas X is, gives me boyish. Bad Bunny gives me man. <laughs> Let's move down to number 20, Giselle Bunchen in Chanel. And she, now that she's gotten rid of that old man she was dating, or I'm sorry, married to, she looks a lot happier. She looks light. <laughs> they were literally like, this reminds them of their... Um, of her Victoria's Secret angel days. Like, this is what the wing, you know, again. This is how happy someone can look once they divorce Tom Brady. <laughs> so can you scroll, can you go ahead and scroll up to number 19, Bradley oh, 19. Cooper? You want to talk about night? Oh, yes. I saw Bradley. I thought it was just okay. I was like, did you really just come in a suit? <laughs> a lot of them. So, you know, that's a safe thing to wear. Like, you yeah. can't be critiqued. If you're a nice looking guy, just put on a black tux and you're good to go. Like, it's yeah. safe. Yeah. Uh, and Brett, we don't, we wouldn't expect Bradley Cooper to come in some costume, would we? I mean, it's Bradley Cooper. No, I know, but it could have at least a jacket color. It could have had a little bit of pearl on it. I don't know. Okay. Let's go to 21. You're one of your favorite people. And I'm going <laughs> to mute myself and let you talk. Pete Davidson, they didn't say who he was wearing because they probably don't know. Okay, go, Bianca. No, because they probably don't know. I And I don't know. Again, I like the coat. Not on him. Not, not this. I don't, I don't know what this is. And why do the gloves look like, you know, those one size fit all knit gloves that you get from like CVS or like the dollar store that you just put your little hands in just to keep warm. That is what I don't, I don't know. Pete Davidson, he is his own person every single time. Was he there with Kim K? Aren't they, aren't they dating? I don't think they're together anymore. Okay, you know, I'll have to do a roundup because I don't I don't really know, but I thought they were. Number 24 on this list, Lizzo and Chanel. Okay, so I, I have two comments. Number one, she looks she looks really pretty here. But Bianca, this is very underwhelming for Lizzo at the Met Gala. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. This looks like almost like an Oscar dress. Does this look like she's at the Met Gala? Again, a lot of folks were just under they said on E, understated and elegant. Like it was not giving the the costume and excitement of it all like it just it just wasn't there weren't too many besides like Doja Cat and Lil Nas X and even Ashley Graham a little bit like people who really who were like yes I'm gonna give you this these costume vibes everybody else were like was like let me call up Versace and Gucci and Tom Ford and and Chanel and get something lovely made and call it a day she looks great, but I was so underwhelmed because I expected when I saw her on the guest list, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be fabulous. And it mm-hmm. it just really wasn't. It was very underwhelming. And it, it's not her fault. It was my own expectations that I put on her. 
her Grammy outfit was better than this. I wanted her to, again, especially because it was very clear how Carl Lagerfeld felt about curvy uh, folks. Exactly. I wanted, I now I wanted some titties and belly and ass <laughs> from Lizzo. So be um, like, you're going to get all of this or a body we, con situation. Can we scroll down to number 30? My favorite couple of all time, Sabrina and Idris Elba. You're so sorry. Yes, and dandy. I've, all, I've said on the show before that she's the luckiest woman alive because she had the good sense to marry this man. <laughs> this is just perfection right here. I don't even know what, what could they improve? You tell me. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, he looks lovely. I even love this, this suit. Um, and exactly Bradley Cooper could have given whatever. Anyway, yes. And as good as and as good as he looks, she, him, her next to him is the is just oh my god, she's just stunning, Bianca. She really is. She really is. She really is. I like the fact that she is not draped in diamonds. I feel like everybody's just like covered in jewelry. I like her cute little symbol. Now, mind you, her earrings, her bracelet, and her ring are probably worth a smooth fifteen million. <laughs> But it is just simple, elegant. I, I, yeah, yeah. Number 36, Naomi Campbell in Chanel. Now, this was a showstopper for a lot of people. I find it to be a bit busy. I don't particularly care for it. I don't like the rouging. I don't like the, I don't even know what the top, how to describe the top. The little, looks like maybe flowers. Her skin, stunning. Her hair, stunning. The makeup and lips, stunning. As, as you would expect, I'm just not feeling this garment here. And it's not even a bad dress. I just don't particularly, it's not my personal style. When she came, when she got on my screen, I literally texted you and said, Naomi fucking Campbell. She looked, I loved it. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I did. I loved it. Head to toe. I felt that the color was very complimentary to her skin. I liked what the silver was doing in contrast. I thought she looked beautiful. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number, excuse me. I know you want to talk about, I don't really know this woman. Number 39, Kiki Palmer. I don't understand how you Virgil don't know Hudson. Kiki Palmer and she's been okay, around. Who, who is that? She has been an actress since she was like 10 from Aquila and the Bee. And before then she was even had a, um, was she doing like the third hour of uh, GMA or she is Kiki Palmer is the actress of all actress. And I cannot wait for her to play Angela Bassett in um, that biopic. Okay, so here's the thing. This is not a read. I swear y'all, this is not a read. But she looks, this is giving me pageant gown. She looks like she's ready to be crowned Miss America. That's what this looks like to me. I want it. I want it for her. Yep. And she just had a baby like 15 minutes ago and she looks delightful. I love, but I love Kiki Palmer. So I am, I am biased. I've, I've loved, loved it. Next on the list is Jared Leto. He's actually wearing Lagerfeld, which I thought was a, a smart choice since that's the whole theme of the carpet you can't go wrong with there but this was actually his second look yes i believe he came in a full <laughs> y'all when i say full cat full cat <laughs> furry costume <laughs> oh my god he did he looked he looked hot in the cat suit. <laughs> i give him props for even doing it it was all obviously a gag but like do you he got the most attention or some of the most attention this black number here gives me kind of star wars and i I do love star wars but it's a very darth vader ish i cannot you can't unsee it once i I say it you can't unsee it i think i would have preferred him just to stay in the cat the whole night (laughs) wouldn't you in that hot ass cat suit it was so cute it was so funny literally it just reminds 
I, I can only picture like the characters at Disney World, like the people who have to be in the goofy costumes and like, and those big old hot heads. No, no. Oh, no. Number 43 on this list is Janelle Monet in Tom Brown. You this had is... to see it live. Did you see it live? When, well, I know you didn't see it live, but had, did you see when all of the layers, when they pulled all the layers off? So when I saw her, I saw another picture where she looks like she's squatting down low to the floor. And it looks like she's like, I don't know, three feet tall. She must have been either on her knees or crouching down. So I saw it in, I saw that version of the outfit. This is my first time seeing her standing up. Okay. But so the people that were with her, like it was a whole reveal and like the jacket, like everything is one piece, but it was like three different outfits as they were like peeling it off and then she had on like this you want to talk about um (laughs) bellies and titties out she had on like this bikini underneath that was just she I yes this is the costumey shit that I like to see and there was a reveal I next I wanted there to be like lights like I wanted light her butt cheeks to light up or something that would have been exciting for me too and speaking of costumes, Diddy gave us a full, full costume. He now did. this, now Bianca, this is what I, this is a man who understood the assignment. He's like, oh, you said costume ball? Got it. This is stunning. I love every single thing about this. This is actually a better version of what Jared Leto was wearing. Remember when I said Jared looks uh, like Darth Vader? <laughs> this is a better version of that. It is. And I like that he's like, and I'm coming in Sean John. I didn't even know Sean John was still a thing, but he was like, I'm gonna wear my own label, damn it, as did Donatella Versace. Props. Um, and yeah, you know what? At first glance, really quick, when I looked at him really quickly, I was like, damn, he looked like Usher. I feel like this is what Usher is gonna well, Usher is aging very nicely, but they had a very uh, a very similar face structure. But yeah. Anyone else you want to particularly call out that you remembered was either really, really bad or really, really <laughs> good? I will say, I just, I have to comment on only because I love her so much, but I thought this missed the mark. Viola Davis and Valentino, this pink peacock flamingo number. That's not it, sis. That's not it. I love Viola, but this is not it. I and love her hair, the fro. Oh my gosh, she looks so good. But this dress, throw it away. And the- <laughs> not throw it away. And on E, this, is, this was one of their favorites. What do you make of this? It made me want to stroke her chest. <laughs> <laughs> the plumes of feathers. It make you want to sexually harass my no. But the plumes of flower, like I wanted to run my fingers through, through the top. I don't know. Once again, I feel like this is, it was nice to see some color. She was like, I'm, I, I think especially beautiful Black women look great in rich, bright colors. So I loved that. I loved that for her. I liked that she was given a color. Her fro was glowing. I did. I liked was, it. From the, head, from the neck up, it was stunning, but I didn't care for the rest. Can, one more I need to talk about. Number 52, Brittany Griner and her wife, Sherelle Griner in mm-hmm. Calvin Klein. So let me start with the positives. I love me some big, tall Brittany Griner. She, from the waist up, She's giving me everything. I love the tattoo. I love the sheerness of the top. I love the long coat. I love the hair. I love the minimal makeup. I loved everything about it. And then I looked at her feet and I was like, <laughs> what happened? Why did they let you leave the house like this? Bianca, you can, there is no, I look, I know that you sometimes find it hard to criticize people. There is no excuse you can make for these pants not being tailored. What was she thinking? 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and as much as I, I love her wife as well, I did not like this dress either. No, it's so plain. It's, she's, it's just a beige dress. (laughs) It looked like, you know what it reminded me of? When Bianca was a wee tot, I used to make Barbie, I used to make my Barbie's dresses out of like white socks. (laughs) I would just kind of cut holes and or just pull it up, make a little tube dress for my Barbie dolls. This is what that that's what that reminded me of. I didn't, I didn't love it. Yeah, this was a miss. Um, it was and and Brittany I thought was so close, but like there's just no excuse not to come tailor because there's no way Brittany doesn't buy any of her clothes off the rack. I would imagine that everything she wears has to be tailored because she's a tall woman. Yeah. So so there's no way that she didn't have this. I can't imagine there's a that she would not have her clothes tailored, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, mm-mm, mm-mm. Can we go to number 64, oh. Jeremy Pope and Bowman and we Cartier? Sure you said 64? Yes, because we want to okay. talk about a cape. Again, this was all about the capes, and this was a cape. With the classic Lagerfeld shot on the cape. Yes, this thing was huge. He, it was like four area rugs that shag that they made and I was like yep did you did you see obviously the cape comes off did you see the garment without the cape I I don't recall if I did okay because that would because I think that that would be because the cape is a little bit of a gag obviously he's not going to sit in that it's going to take off (laughs) immediately once he gets past the cameras I would love to have seen this outfit without the cape and is it is it a pant or is it a dress I don't know it looks like it's either it's either a dress or it's either pants with a really voluminous um, bell bottom. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, last one um, because again, there's 210 on here, and we have other things to discuss. We do, we do. We have a whole we have a whole show. They're probably on the list somewhere, but we're not going to keep going. I love Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade. I just love them anyway. So I was I was here for their uh, coats and their ensembles. They're red and black. But go to number 69. Oh, my. I just Alton Mason and Carl Lagerfeld Couture. Yes. So I don't know, Alton. Do you know who this is? I don't. Okay. Now. Uh, okay, go. I'll let you go first. Because <laughs> I don't even know what, where to start with this. A statement. It's okay for the wanderers who haven't seen it. It's like Madonna's 1984, like a virgin number on a man. That's what it, that's what it gives. <laughs> Beyond catching a breath, a black man. Let's be clear. a black man, a dark skinned black man at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I that's that was a whole choice. I guess you could say it was a showstopper, but was it flattering? Was it? I don't know. I don't know what he's trying. I don't know what he's trying to achieve with such an over the top outfit. It's the Met Gala. Isn't that what it's literally supposed to no, 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 no. be? No, no, Bianca. So let's I'm gonna so let's let's talk about Diddy versus Alton. Diddy is in a costume that's flattering, that's fitting. It looks good on him, and I get what he's the reference he's trying to make. This this is a costume, but like, but why? To what end? To be like to be like a wedding girl at the top of the cake? Is that that's, what you're serving? Yes. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I had to look up who he is. He is a uh, male model and is the first black male model to have walked for Chanel. Okay. Okay. Come on, Alton. I I mean, okay. Bianca loves it. I I wasn't feeling it. Uh, Can I have just a moment to talk to um, Serena and her designers, whoever's dressing her? She's having a baby. We're all, we're over the moon, but she has a habit of showing up on this carpet and other carpets, not in her best self. And I don't understand 
so the outfit she chose to this, just why? Just why? <laughs> like, like I would have even preferred just a simple black slinky dress that accentuates the belly. That's that's all she needed, really. I I don't. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the pictures again. Her um. Oh, she's wearing Gucci. She's... I didn't like the pockets. I didn't like the French at the bottom. I didn't, it looked like a, like a penguin outfit. I was like, girl, what is this? This was not flattering at all. The only saving grace was that she had the belly to save it because otherwise it was just a complete disaster in my opinion. I don't, I would, I would be curious to know what it looked like without the jacket. Maybe because I liked how the pearls were draped on her bosom. <laughs> how did it look without, without the jacket? I just, I don't know who did her makeup, but they gave her a whole lot of eyebrow that I did not feel was necessary. I think my favorite part of the look was her hair and the little, the, I don't know if it's a crown, but just the headpiece I'll say that she wore. To me, that was the best part of it. But when, when your headpiece is the best part of your outfit, you, you, you failed. (laughs) That's just, that's it. That's all. No, I didn't. I didn't love it, but she is uh she is expecting and it is it is delightful that is why at the end of the day why we're excited but no this this look wasn't it and I don't I don't know I I feel like it's I don't know I just feel like it could be touch and go touch and go with her on these red carpets sometimes they're winners and other times not so much I feel like it's mostly go. I don't, I don't, I can't recall. There was one look she did uh, during the King Richard season that I thought was really good. It was a silver look I'll share it on our Twitter. And outside of that, I feel like it's been a lot of misses from her. But anyway, yeah. um, I love Serena. She already knows that. You're welcome to come on anytime, Serena, to defend your outfits. Please do. We're moving on. As the saying goes, opposites attract. But in this week's All the Feels, we explore how surface differences can obscure true commonalities. As Isaiah's beau, Ed Askenazi, joins the discussion for his first ever appearance on the show. I had to squeal. Keep it in. Hi, Ed. Hello, Bianca. How are you? I'm so excited to have you on. It's so lovely to see you again same same you look wonderful you look refreshed I just it's so good to see you so good to see you and and for those people that are listening you know Bianca comes across as this really sweet person um and in person she's even more lovely so I just had to say that (laughs) thank you because your other half is rude and disrespectful on this here mike all the time so i appreciate you letting the wonders know what it really is such a keeper hi isaiah i actually want to give ed the very first question (laughs) so according to our pre-planned question the very first one here is besides isaiah What's your favorite aspect of the Warden Webster podcast? <laughs> I mean, you mean besides like the two of you together? Is that, you know, like. I mean, besides the fabulous list that, that is me, why else would you listen to this show? Yes, you are fabulous. But what I'm saying is that together, you know, you guys are just this special combination and you have this fantastic chemistry. And everybody who's listening to the show knows this already, of course. But you, you're saying beyond that beyond that right 
Yeah, and particularly, and if you would like to center your comments on any improvements that you'd like to see from Bianca, we, the wonders, <laughs> would love to hear that. Try to get me in trouble. Um, the absolute worst. You don't have to. Ed, say what's on your heart. Um, um, I think my favorite, my favorite aspect of it is the music. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I uh, chose it, so it's okay. No, the music is very. No, the music is very good. You know what? I love the political segments. I think I think those are always so great. And Isaiah and I love talking about politics. We do that all the time. And he's so much fun to talk to about that. That's my personal favorite. I just love what you guys do because you're able to talk about this wide breadth of subjects like week after week, politics and sex and money and pop culture and do it and, you know, and speak about it intelligently. So the fact that you're able to do this week after week, it's amazing to me. So... I don't know. Did I answer your question? Perfectly. And actually, <laughs> one, one of our uh, one of our favorite wonders recently sent us a message saying something to the effect that they've learned more from Ward and Webster than they did in like their American history class. And oh, I, no. I, I, I have to credit Isaiah for that because one thing he knows um, are the planets <laughs> and the politics. Good job. Yeah. Good I've job, learned, Webster. I've learned a lot about the planets from listening to him, from listening to the show and listening to him. He really knows a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So in our tradition of Ward and Webster, we were going to ask three questions. <laughs> a fun question, a silly question, which is really the same thing as though all Isaiah thinks it's not, and a serious question. Okay. Which would you like first? I'll let you choose. Oh, okay. Yeah. Isaiah, I think we're going to go with serious first then. Okay. I'm always prepared to go and we're going to do all, and Wanda's not where we're going to do a whole segment on the difference between fun and silly since Bianca doesn't know the difference between the two. Ed, darling, <laughs> here's your serious question. Thank you. What is your earliest memory that you're willing to share with the Wanders? Um, I think I told you about this just the other day, didn't I, honey? I told you a little story. Yes, you did. Um, my dad was a cab driver in New York City from the mid-60s until the mid-70s. And I remember when he came home with his first taxi cab and I was a little boy and my mom was so excited because it was this beautiful new car that smelled new, you know, and he was like, all he was thinking about was the car payment. So he was kind of like, just going, <sighs> but whenever I see any of those beautiful old checker cabs in movies or TV shows, that was the car that he brought home. So whenever I see one of those old taxis, it's, it's, it, there's, it has a soft spot in my heart, you know, because of that memory. So that's one of my earliest memories. Yeah. That is so beautiful. You like that? <laughs> I do. That is a really good one. Yeah. That is my earliest memory, I think, is potty training. So the <laughs> fact that yours is so much better. I believe, I believe you were sitting in the living room watching the stories and your mother had put you in front of the TV. And that's that's what that was, yes! right? Yes. <laughs> I listened to you. I listened to you. Um, would you like fun next or silly next? I don't really know the difference. So thank you. Exactly. <laughs> I guess I guess silly is a subcategory of fun. Let's, mm. let's 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 do fun. Let's do fun. Okay, if you could sit next to anyone on a plane, who would it be? Barack Obama. Ooh, why is that? 
That I guess that could be fun. It could also be serious though. Yeah. Say more. What would you guys talk about? And would you give him the armrest? Of course I would give him the armrest. <laughs> I would just thank him for for all the great work that he did when he was in office. And and I would say, you know, I, I feel privileged that I was alive during this time when when you were running the country. And um, yeah, that's what I would I don't know if I would ask him anything. I guess I would ask him maybe, is there something that you would have done that you didn't do? Maybe that's what I would ask him. Good one. Yeah. And for your silly question, uh-huh. would you rather a pet dinosaur or a pet dragon? That is a great silly question. You see, you did it perfectly. I can't wait to hear what Ed has to say about this. I'm going to think about this. <laughs> a dragon or a pet dinosaur. Do I get to choose what type of dinosaur? Like, it can yes, be, it can be. It can be any dinosaur. So it can be one of those little cute ones, not the big life <laughs> ones. Um, yes, the little cute ones. Um, uh, I, I, I dinosaur. <laughs> Fair. Because <laughs> I'd be Fair. the only one on the block with one, right? Exactly. Yeah. I love it. That was all, and I'm glad that Isaiah thinks I did well. So I think it's important, Bianca and Ed, that we share with the wonders how the three of us ended up on today's show and in this particular segment. So number one, I talk about Ed all the time on the show. Our romance began with me talking about posting a Tinder ad and Ed responding. And so I've I've been, I've been very open with the wonders about our courtship. And so I thought, you know what, it'd be really nice to have Ed on at some point when, when the time is right. And then I was like, okay, so if we have Ed on besides like the beauty that he and I have together, the super coupleness of it. After we talk about that, then what? What, what? what do we have to say that would be of interest to the wonders? Yeah. And so Bianca and Ed have seen the movie You People starring Eddie Murphy, which is, I believe, a remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which is a classic movie with Sidney Portier. And mm-hmm. I'll let Bianca and Ed talk about the film in just a second. But I thought we could use that film Bianca, as a jumping off point to have a larger conversation about opposites attract and whether or not that's even a term we should use, especially since you and I both have partners who some might say are opposites attract, primarily in the fact that Ed's older than me, Cliff's older than you, Ed is Jewish, I'm not. You know, there's all these different things that some people might see on the surface level as differences. And I thought it would be great to have a conversation about how those surface level things are actually not nearly as impactful as our commonalities. So that's how we ended up here. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought the movie occurred to me because it's kind of like the intersection of both our cultures. Because the movie is about a Jewish man who marries this African-American woman, even though it's about a heterosexual relationship, but and the clash of those two families. And I thought, so would that be interesting to talk about, you know? Plus, I'm a film nerd and I studied film history and I love talking about movies and analyzing movies. So that's that was my idea. But I realized this is not a film podcast, so we might want to, you know, move past that. But we do occasionally talk about films. And I did see I did see you people when it came out. And I remember mm-hmm. the husband and I watched it. I definitely chuckled. Um, but I just remember all of the think pieces and the criticism when people were just saying how bad it was. And I was like, I didn't think it was awful. What did you think of it though? I didn't think it was awful either. I, I heard nothing good about this movie. So my, ex- mm-hmm. my expectations were super low, but I actually think it had a brain behind it and it had a heart. 
And I cried twice. And what it, parts? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away to okay. people that haven't seen it, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's kind of a decent movie and um, you know, Julia Louise Dreyfus is such a funny character and it's such a great comic performance. She was hilarious. And, 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 you know, the thing with her character is that she's trying so hard to be accepting of this daughter-in-law. It comes across as condescending and insulting, right? And you every single time. And you can and she's and she's and she's kind of socially clunky. So she says things that are clunky socially. But you can totally see somebody behaving that way, right? You can totally see it. Absolutely. So, and, it, and it and it's just a source of so much great comedy. It's not a, it's not a bad film at all. I mean, my and yeah, and Isaiah will tell you I'm super critical. I'm, I mean, I I'm he'll tell you that I'm super critical of so many things. Super super critical. Wait, but, <laughs> but speaking of which, and and because I was I was concerned a little bit about the future of this relationship when he told me that you did not love a Christmas <gasps> story. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Go on mute. I have to lean into this mic. Um, he said you did not love. A Christmas story. Maybe there was just a cultural divide. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> just like, you know what? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought it was silly. I'm sorry. No, no disrespect to anybody. Oh, oh, oh my God, Ed, you were doing so well. And now the wonders are going to think that, you know, whatever. They're going to give you a B now instead of an A. But you know what? I still love you, so it doesn't matter. I still love Let's you, too. About... And, I, and, I, and I still have about 20 minutes to redeem myself, so. <laughs> you do. So let's get into you, uh, what's it called? You People? And so it's a remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. That is a classic 1967 film starring Sidney Portier, Spencer Tracy, and Katherine Hepburn. Yeah. It is about an interracial couple. Um, and, you know, the Black guy literally comes home to dinner. And, and so that's the gist of the film without giving you the plot line away. I wouldn't, say it's a, I wouldn't say it's a remake. It's, it's a variation on that same thing. A variation on that thing, yes. Yeah. So... As you both know how I feel about variations, remakes, reboots, I don't really think they're necessary. I don't even know that it needs to be a variation of that. Again, I I find that lazy, but to be fair, I haven't seen the film. But you both have said that it does have some redeeming qualities. So I want to start here. I never think of me and Ed as opposites attract. And Bianca, I don't know that you, I don't think I've ever heard you say either in this show or am I knowing you you and Cliff being anything like opposites attract because y'all are other than the fact that you're younger I don't know what other opposites there would be per se so I just wanted to start there and when you hear opposites attract how does that land with you speaking for myself I never think of it that way and so I, I find it fascinating that in you know in pop culture in the way that people talk about uh, relationships and coupling anytime the people are not carbon copies of one another Oh, opposites attract. They really came together. They did it. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of their surface to me. I'm wondering if that's just an Isaiah thing. I mean, do you think that's even true that opposites attract? I mean, is, the, is I know people say it all the time, but do you think it's even true? Well, didn't Michael Jackson write that song or was it Stevie Wonder, Ebony and Ivory? Don't you? <laughs> what? Who was it? Here's, um, I, think, I think Stevie Wonder, I think Stevie Wonder wrote that song. So if there's a, I mean, Ed, if there's a song about it, it must be true. Must be true. Well, listen, some people may think it's true. My take on it is, is that two people can complement each other, mm-hmm. right? I think Isaiah and I complement each other well. 
I mean, there are certainly differences between us. You know, we are an intergenerational, interfaith, interracial couple. <laughs> but I think what brings us together is um, our, our commonalities and what we have in common as opposed to what's different between us, you know? And the fact that we have, I think we share core values that are the same, right? Um, so I, I don't know about this opposite, opposites attract thing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that's valid, but. I appreciate. What do you think? What do you think, do you think of Bianca? I could not date me. <laughs> so, couldn't date me, couldn't be married to me, like somebody like me. My husband and I are also intergenerational. But we are, I think you said complimentary, and I think that is a good way to put it. He yeah. is very much an introvert. I am very much an extrovert. Again, I don't think I could I could be with somebody that had my same level of energy all of the time. So there's a, there's a nice balance. I think our, there are definitely things about our personalities and the way we um, move through the world together that is a nice balance because if not, I think we would make, I am a worrier. He's tends to be more stress-free. Right. You know, it's just like, it, it makes sense because we both couldn't be in here worried and stressed. <laughs> so I think we, we compliment each other. Yeah. So you well. like, he grounds you and, and that works. Yeah. 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 So you compliment each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I think about it, I think what's a little bit more apt is this, you know, the classic idea of the, the, the good girl who likes the, the, the bad, the, not the bad guy, but the, like the, the guy with the leather jacket, he's this tough guy. He's a bad boy, that bad whole boy. thing. I think what undergirds that is the idea that she's wholesome. She's been straight and narrow her whole life. And what she really appreciates is someone who kind of is the yin to her yang or yang to her yin, whatever. So, so this idea that I don't, so just like Bianca said, I don't want someone that's striking the same notes as me. I want someone who is going to give me something else. So if I'm a little bit reserved, I want someone who's going to be adventurous. If I'm not outgoing, then I might enjoy someone who has some spontaneity. Now, some people might say that's opposites attract or other people might say it's balancing. And one thing I appreciate and I talk about on this show all the time is that the universe demands balance. Mm. And so everything around us, I think, is about seeking balance. And so if you are not an emotionally high person, then the universe says to balance you out is to, is to have a partner that is emotionally high, just to use one example. And so whether or not you look at that and you call it opposites attract, or whether you look at it and you think this person brings what the other person is doesn't necessarily have, I think in that sense, it works. Mm-hmm. And I think Ed made a good point about the values. And as you said, the good girl, bad guy, we, um, Amari, when we talked about matchmaking, when Amari came on first, he was saying that that trope can't necessarily be true because the values are not aligned. And so um, when Ed literally was just like, but your values align. So yes, there are these differences, but, Mm -hmm. you know, the heart matches. And so I think that at the end of the day, those are the things that are are most important. I think the other thing that's really important is that is, is an openness. There are things that I'm passionate about that Isaiah may not know that much about and vice versa. I've certainly learned so much about football in the last few months than I ever expected to learn in my life. But you know what? He, he, it's something that he loves and I want to share that with him. And so I think an openness, like, like he doesn't have to have my love for film, but he's open to sharing those things with me and learning about it. 
So I think that's that's important also in openness. Ed, you're already a better partner than me because I've been with the husband over 16 years and I am not watching the footy ball. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not. I'm not going to pretend was, that I enjoy. It was, <laughs> was one afternoon, there was one evening I was home watching a football game in my apartment by myself. It was a 49ers game. And I thought, if I'm watching football for the first time in my life, <laughs> in my apartment, this must be love. <laughs> <laughs> What a moment, because I would have lied and said I watched it and I, I would just be lying. <laughs> oh, my God. Bianca, let's shift gears up and talk a little bit, if we can, about these age differences. So I never, you know, when you said in recently to me, uh, when we were thinking about this segment about that clip was, I think, 12 years older, right? I often, I knew that, but I often forget about it because I never really think about y'all. I always think about y'all as like true peers. I want to ask you a question if you can go back 16 years in your little time machine, go back to when you first met Cliff, because right now, answering this question right now will be kind of silly. But when you first met him, did you have any pause about the age difference? And like, to the extent that you did, what was the pause? So I actually thought he was younger than he was. Okay. <laughs> so first I was like, wait, you how old, friend? Um, once I finally, you know, found out, I don't know if I had any pause with the age difference, I think it was, well, maybe a little bit because then I was like, wow. So he's, it was more about the life experiences that he had had because of our age difference. Right. Or, or that contributed to that. Um, he was a father by the time I met him, his son was 11. So like that in itself was something that I knew nothing about. And so Again, there wasn't a pause, but I was like, oh, like he's lived <laughs> in a in a different way than than I had. He had been on his own longer, in his career longer, in, you know, just um, again, the responsibility of of fatherhood. So, but that is also something that attracted me to him because I was like, damn, he's a really dope ass dad. So there's there were those things. But yeah, so not necessarily a pause, but just that. Um, can I keep up, so to speak, right? And did Cliff find you too immature to be with someone as sophisticated as he is? <laughs> Do you know me? I was given 35 at the age of 20. <laughs> okay. I had my own place and I was paying my own bills. But um, no. <laughs> and we met um, at work. So, Ed, did you have any pause when we first met? No, none whatsoever. Um, the, you know, first of all, I don't, we're, we're, we're um, 15 years apart, right? Yeah, we're 15 years apart. I don't consider that even to be a whole generation. I think of generation as like 20 to 25 years. We're like, we're like three quarters of a generation. No, it's more, I mean, I've dated, I've gone out with guys much younger than me. I've gone out with guys older than me. Um, I've, I've gone out with guys my age who were really immature. <laughs> It's really more about the person's maturity and emotional intelligence. And so I didn't, I, that was a non-issue for me. And it sounded like it was a non-issue for you, right? So it was a good issue for me as someone who uh, has, a, has a great affinity for the mature gentleman, as you are well aware. Yeah. So it was an issue, but in a good way. Yes. Okay, Bianca, um, we have a game, do we not? We have a little game. It is kind of 
newlywed game slash match game slash I just learned about the shoe game. I don't know. Well, anywho, so I have these lists of questions for you all. So, so for the wonders, um, Ed and Isaiah are at this in the same place, but different rooms. So let's just, so they're not seeing each other's answers. I will ask, I will ask a question and you will write down. Oh my gosh. Isaiah is such a, (laughs) oh, Ed. Um, and you will write down your answer and then you all will share them. So the question, so the answers to the question will either be um me or partner so the answer to the question will ed you'll either write oh. down me as in you or isaiah isaiah you'll either write down you or ed. i'm writing my name or ed's name yes okay i have and that's super clear one question when i win what do i win it's not that kind of game <laughs> why must it always be a competition just enjoy the getting to know you aspect of it and the wonders sharing and learning. Okay. (sighs) Okay. First question. And I have, I'm not going to get through all of these. I have, I have a few, but there's some that I'm going to skip over. Who is more flirtatious, Ed or Isaiah? Who is more flirtatious? Is Ed, you should see these faces. Please put this on the YouTube channel that doesn't exist because I say your face is hilarious. Is, is I don't know an answer or no? You have to choose one. You have to choose. <laughs> <laughs> you have to choose one. Oh my God. <laughs> this was All actually right. tough, Bianca, because I wasn't right sure. And do we just show at the same time? I have never seen, well, you besides, besides flirting with me, I've never seen you flirt with anyone. So, um, hmm. I don't Let's really... flip those answers. All right. <laughs> so Ed said himself and Isaiah said himself. Interesting. That was really, I didn't expect this to be this hard. That was a very hard question to answer because I was thinking, I really can't, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like it's pretty I don't really equal. Know. I don't know either. I think it's equal. Mm, okay. We're, we're both kind of flirtatious with each other. I, yes. To the wonders, I have been with them in public and that's true. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's a time. <laughs> Who is more likely to burn down the house when they're cooking dinner? Ed or Isaiah? <laughs> I've, already, I've almost done this already. <laughs> they both said Ed. Uh, <laughs> gentle Dems. They both said Ed. Aww. Do you want to tell them the story? <laughs> Did you really? Uh, so Christmas morning, I wanted it to be really special for Isaiah. And I decided I was going to make him pancakes and make a nice breakfast. And, um, I set off the smoke alarms and (laughs) making pancakes, y'all making pancakes. I wasn't used to his, I wasn't used to his electric stove. Okay. Oh my, are you really going to sit here and blame the electric stove? Yes. Nobody uses electric stoves. They're terrible. <laughs> so that's why you can't control the temperature for I control the temperature anyway, but the, but at nine o'clock in the morning on Christmas, I'm sure we weren't, you know, we weren't in really good with the neighbors upstairs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the thought that right. counts. Hopefully, hopefully that was recognized. <laughs> Who would survive longer on a deserted island? Well, what do we have on the deserted island? See, Ed, you're asking too many questions. <laughs> Just, you have a coconut, some sticks, 
and um, a little bit of netting. <laughs> oh my God. Isaiah answered that question very quickly. Yes. Yeah. It, it would be they, it. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, resourceful. <laughs> Mm-hmm. he's not afraid of getting his hands dirty and you know me I don't want to be anywhere that's not a resort so that you it would sh- definitely be it I mean I would sh- last don't. 10 minutes and you would last eight minutes so you know, it, wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> it would be very um who is more likely to tell a white lie to avoid hurting someone's feelings it has to be it because Isaiah is not it <laughs> I think Pro said Ed exactly. <laughs> feelings, what are those? Having said that, I I think Isaiah is very, you know, he's he's very considerate and you know thoughtful about what he says, and you know, so um, yeah. You're so kind. Uh, <laughs> who is more likely to wear the same jeans three days in a row? Damn it. <laughs> Wait a minute. You don't wear jeans three days in a row? No. <laughs> you, really, you don't wear them three days in a row? Isaiah? He doesn't? Um, so first of all, one of Ed doesn't make faces very often, but whenever I, whenever I mention shopping or spending coins on clothes, he gives me that face like, this is just a complete waste. Like I'm that a, is just not Ed's ministry. I'm like a terrible homo. I hate shopping. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He does y'all. He could wear, he could wear out a pair of jeans and be completely fine with that. Um, I'm going to ask you three more. Who is kinder to wait staff? Ed or Isaiah? Well, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this one. We were literally just talking about this. A moment really? ago, before we log on. Oh, oh, so they have different answers. Ed says Isaiah. Isaiah says Ed. Well, I've never seen Ed impolite really to anyone, um, and certainly not to like wait staff. So that's why I said Ed. And I feel like Ed is is the most kind and really generous person. So like, of course, he'd be the nicest. The reason what I was thinking about Ed was we were having a conversation about I went to pick up dinner for us, yes. and I went to get it. And they asked me in the app, do I want a tip? And I was like, tip for what? I'm going to pick up the food. <laughs> I'm the one doing the work. I'm doing the work. So why would I tip? And then Ed and I were talking about it. And it was like, he normally does tip when he, even when in that, in that situation, which is why I chose him. Not the same tip as I would if somebody were to bring me my food. It's a different But level. they don't, I don't think they deserve a tip at all. If, what are they doing to deserve to earn the tip? Putting it in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> But they, do they still depend on that money because they're being paid lower wages than they yes. otherwise? That's and cool. this is why I answered Ed. Yeah, see? <laughs> Period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who is more romantic? Well, I think it's a close tie. Oh! Wait a second. Uh, wait! <laughs> Isaiah said himself and Ed said himself. <laughs> Look at their face. Uh, you're pretty, he's pretty romantic, though. He's very romantic. But more than you? It's okay. You can be honest. He's not listening. I think it's. I think it's a tie. Okay. Mm, this is interesting. To be and he's the most romantic man I've ever been with. No question. Oh, oh. Who is better at keeping secrets? I don't even. I don't even know because we we haven't kept secrets from each other, right? Oh, oh no, but, not at all. 
I was going to say, are like other oh people's my. secrets. Oh boy. <laughs> Isaiah says it's himself. Better at keeping secrets. But Isaiah always got the tea and ready to gossip. Okay. <laughs> so they both say Isaiah. Actually, I have one more question and then I'm done. Who is more embarrassing in public? <laughs> oh, that's it's without a doubt. It's me. It is short. Right it is absolutely Isaiah. Did you even I have mean, to ask that question? But, <laughs> but, but the, you know, you have never embarrassed me in any way, shape, or form. And I'm never embarrassed to be with you. I mean, that's like, you know, that's far from it. You know, I'm proud to be with you. Oh, that is so sweet. It's okay, Ed, I'll say it. Isaiah is definitely embarrassed. I've been with him in public quite a few times and I'm just, I just hold my head down in shame. <laughs> Pretend like I don't know him, get my bags and leave. Wow. <laughs> but he's such a good time. That's all I got. <laughs> that was really sweet, Bianca. Thank you uh, so much for preparing the game. And we appreciate that. Ed, how did you feel about your first appearance on the show? Mm-hmm. It was great fun. And, you know, we've been talking about doing this. I mean, I think we first started talking about this possibility of my coming on the show, like back in March. So, you know, I've been on the phone with your booker like for months now trying to get in and, you know, and he's been telling me, you know, well, maybe I can squeeze you in, in like October, you know? And I was like, I got special connections, buddy. I want in, in the springtime. You know? Well, I can always squeeze you in. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and then he said October. I was like, is because it's orgasmic October. I you just, can, Ed you fell can, into all you of that. cannot leave that comment in the show. You cannot. <laughs> Did you know, Bianca, that Isaiah gave me editorial control over this episode? Did you know? Did he? Yes. I have complete editorial control over this episode. As you should. Yes. It's in paragraphs, it's in paragraph six of my contract. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being silly. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. As you should. As you should. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right, Ed. Good to see you. Thanks for coming <laughs> on the show. And uh, we'll have dinner in a sec. Yes. Thanks, Ed. Can't wait to have you back. All right. Can't wait to come back and see you in person. Indeed. Take care. You too. In this week's Gotta Do, we kick off our annual Money May series by exploring what it really means to live paycheck to paycheck and explain why such a standard of living is still a thing in a nation as rich as ours. We are officially in Money May. I am really excited. I, I love the fact that we that we do this. This is our, our third Money May. I know it is going to be as rich as the ones that we've done previously. As I mentioned, I think last week, there's just so much. Money is one of those things that we can always talk about because there's always going to be an issue in either how to get it, how to keep it, how to expand upon it. Our businesses are just, just yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Wonders, welcome to Money May. So this um, Paycheck to Paycheck actually all started with an article I think that you had sent me about the fact that we are struggling. 58% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. You know, they they say a lot of it is based on inflation and what's been happening recently, which is definitely true, because I know every time I go to the grocery store, it is a smooth $150 for all of the things. But me, I know I have spent a good portion of my life paycheck, 
check to paycheck. So it does not, it does not surprise me at all, especially when we think about where we live in the DMV, me in the country, you as a city boy, uh, it is expensive to live. And so the, I have I have no doubts. And this was even before the pandemic. 100%. So one thing I want to say about that statistic, about 58% of people living paycheck to paycheck. Bianca, you know this, and I think the wonders probably know, but it's worth repeating. Whenever we give a statistic like that, you would be safe to assume that Black and brown people are hit harder than anyone else. So when we say 58% of people living paycheck to paycheck, that's 58% of all Americans. But if we were just to look at African-Americans or people of color, that percent is probably way higher. Mm-hmm. You remember when we had COVID, people would say, oh, well, the, the national COVID number is this, but in communities of color, it's way worse. So if it's 58% among all of us, it's probably 70 or 80 for Black folks. Just take that to the bank. I don't even have to look it up. It, that, that's what it's going to look like. Now, here's the thing. I think that so long as you have a steady income, a steady job, so long as no one gets sick, so long as nothing breaks down your refrigerator, your car, or what have you, it's fine to live paycheck to paycheck because you have enough money to cover your expenses, et cetera, et cetera. Where we run into problems, Bianca, is when someone gets laid off, someone gets sick, the car, you you go out there that morning to turn the key and nothing happens. And suddenly you don't have $400, $500 put into your car that day. So now you don't have transportation. God forbid a family member gets ill, you will go bankrupt trying to take care of a sick person if you don't have the proper insurance. That's it. That's all. People keeping their jobs out here just for the insurance. And so you really should be able to live. I think they say, and this has always been absurd to me, you should be able to live for three months. You should have enough saved up to live three months. Now, who among us, literally, no one's going to know the answer. If you're listening to this show, do you have enough money saved up to live for three months without getting an income? I'll wait. And you fancy as hell if you do. And if you do, hey, good for you. Because there are, you know, everything you said happens. People get laid off. Car breaks down. Children. We haven't even gotten into the cost of children, right? So all of these things impact, make it so hard when people are like, you just need to budget better, or you just need to save more, or <laughs> it is so hard. The other day, I don't know what made me do it, but I had looked up the apartment complex that my first apartment in Maryland. And I was like, I wonder what the going rate is for that apartment over there in West Hyattsville. Let me just, because I know when I moved in over a decade and a half ago, more so, I was paying $633 for rent. And before you tell us the new price, can you tell us how big this this apartment is? 550 square feet. Okay, so we're not talking about some mini mansion. 550 square feet. Hold on. One bedroom, one bathroom, radiators. <laughs> okay? I had wait, all utilities included. However, I had no control over the uh, the heat. The the complex turned the heat on, <laughs> turned it off. Window AC units and there was only one. Okay? Gotcha. And it's it's still the same because I was looking at the pictures and the website now. It is now that same apartment starts at $1,400. That's absurd. I can't 
even fathom because we know that most jobs, okay, especially if you're doing hourly or minimum wage or hell, even if you starting off and you have a decent salary, $1,400 is a good chunk of money for rent. That exceeds what I'm paying in mortgage. Absolutely. So when we talk about the idea of living check to check, there's so many, and, and that is just, that is just rent. That is not, again, that is not talking about groceries. That's not transportation to get to whatever job to Mm -hmm. pay this $1,400. That's not insurance or medical costs. Again, children, that's not even including that. I think about all of the things you can't do when you live paycheck to paycheck. So you and I are real good for coming to these mics, talking about work-life balance, talking about taking a day off here to go Mm. there. I, I literally opened this show talking about going to see Beyonce in Paris. And I want to acknowledge the privilege that's baked into that. If you don't have enough money to take a vacation, to take your kids to to a theme park, that is not a good quality of life. That's not work-life balance because you literally can't even afford to not be working for, for said period of time. And when you're working paycheck to paycheck, right there, that's it, that's all, your life is out of bounds because you're not able to do all the things to keep you well enough to do your job in a safe and sane way. And so To me, that's the issue. The problem is, if we're being honest, wages have not increased at the same way that costs have increased. So the reason that that apartment has gone up in the amount of money that's gone up is because everything it takes to maintain that apartment, everything it takes in terms of the supply and demand for that apartment have gone up. People who have means are willing to pay $1,400. And we know that because if they weren't, it wouldn't be priced at $1,400. They're only going to price it at what they can get. Mm-hmm. So that means somebody is paying them fourteen hundred for what you once paid six what six sixty three six thirty three something like that. Exactly, mm-hmm. and we know that because they're pricing it that much. And if they weren't, the price would be lower. So the question is, why aren't the wages increasing at the mm-hmm. same level as as the costs are increasing? And that's mm-hmm. the problem because if wages were increasing at the same level. It would be okay because you could just you could just pay the higher amount because you you have more money you have more money to do that. But people are stuck getting the same amount of money for literally more work. And this goes back mm-hmm. to the way that we decide to give tax cuts to corporations and rich people mm. at the expense of the middle class. And every single time we do that, this is the end result of that. People living paycheck to paycheck in a country where literally we have enough resources to supplement wars in other country to Oof. supplement humanitarian efforts in other country. The first lady just used our taxpayer dollars this weekend to fly to the United Kingdom for a coronation. Uh, Is that necessary? Uh, Was that trip necessary? What's but, we, but we have, here's my point. I don't begrudge Dr. Biden for going, but if we have enough money mm-hmm. to send our first lady to a coronation to a king, we, we had a revolution to get away from. <laughs> then surely we have enough money to not have our own people living paycheck to paycheck. That's it. That's all. Come on and bring up history and facts. (laughs) We wanted to get away from y'all and now we come and celebrate your things. Oh, colonialism. I knew that I had made an income that could actually, I don't know, I guess sustain me when I was able to put some shit on auto pay. That's when I knew that I was like, oh, this is different because again, paycheck to paycheck is also who is going to, what bill is going to get paid and what's not. (laughs) 
okay? And what, you know, how long can I push this cable before they turn it off? That was me many a time. Cable, cell phone, honey. I Don't people, would, you get it when I get it. I was, I was checked to check for a minute, well into marriage, well into, because again, children, I think I've said here our, for a long time, our greatest expense was childcare. So you have to have childcare in order to go to work, in order to pay mortgage and all of these things. But childcare is so expensive that it really is once again it's a setup like you can you cannot win until your children go to kindergarten or hopefully some I would love to see some universal free (laughs) pre-k okay that's why those things are important because you are literally sitting and waiting and counting down the days when you no longer have to pay 13 and 1400 dollars a month to send your child to daycare so there's no way you just exactly so for a lot of folks especially people children you are working for daycare you are <laughs> to send your child to daycare because after that there is no more money so it's you can't it's a long time before you can win i don't think we literally saw and again two income home i don't think we really saw relief until grace was in kindergarten and that is a long time, a long time. and so yes people are like yes well you had children so you knew Absolutely. As you say, choices. I, you know, I've, I've trained myself not to say that because I, w- I used to be one of those people. I would often tell that to my sisters because they would always resent me for flying off here and flying off there. And I was like, you know what, sis, you want it, you want these children want to pour into you and they are, they are beautiful. I'd love to play with them. And then I'm going to give them back to you and fl- get on this plane. But now I realize that's not necessarily the nicest thing to say to people's face. So, but you know, we just need to figure out a better way you know, I do believe that it takes a village. And mm-hmm. I think those of us who don't have children, I don't think that that means that we don't have a role to play in making sure that uh, the children get reared. That's my more universal view. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes, what's the fairest way to do that? Because mm-hmm. uh, I do think that it takes a village. And so whether you have kids or not, you're a part of the community. And what role do you have to play in that? If there were more opportunities for people to, again, like, universal free pre-k like if we if there were supports the same way we're paying tax dollars for everything else if there was money that could support children going into school earlier for free that Mm -hmm. could make so much difference that could make so much difference okay so i had posted this this segment is a little bit all over the place but the wonders don't care I wanted to get into these credit scores because Mm. you had shared with me a story about how the mortgages for homeowners with good credit will cost more. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right. And then that sent me down the rabbit hole of how these credit scores themselves are a tool of white supremacy. But before we get into that, do you want to talk about this this these this mortgages story that you that you had sent me from Yahoo? Yeah. So apparently, and I saw this. Um, actually, the husband has sent me a reel from Egypt Sharad um, about this because there is, I think, like a bill or something that's going to be passed where essentially, the gist of it is, is if you have a higher credit, so once upon a time, higher credit scores usually meant like lower interest rates, but 
now it's it's essentially flipped that if you have a higher credit score that you could be paying more on your mortgage versus somebody with a lower and the idea and i can see people arguing it both ways but kind of the idea behind it is because credit scores are rooted in white supremacy okay and just trash arbitrary numbers that literally dictate our lives people with lower credit scores for so long have had to pay so much more for things cars homes etc so it's like it's 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 trying to balance things out if you will so the idea that if you have a higher credit score that could be because i don't know maybe make more money or you're you're better with quote unquote better with your finances or or what have you and you may have the extra means in order to to pay more Yes. And I want to be super clear, Bianca, about when we say credit scores are a tool of white supremacy. I want to give a really clear example of what I mean when I say that. When I was in college and I was 18 years old and I had no money and no job and the credit card companies were giving me all of these credit cards. Even back then, I was thinking to myself, wow, I can't believe I got this credit card because I don't have any money and they know I don't have any money. And but they keep giving me these credit cards. And I was too young and too naive at the time to understand what was happening. They didn't even want me to have the ability to pay the money back because they wanted me to be indebted to them. And so these credit card companies prey on people and prey on communities that they know don't have any money because they want them to be indebted to them. They don't benefit by giving credit cards to people who can pay it back. That's the whole system. And so when I say that the credit scores are based on white supremacy, they are targeting us, giving us credit cards we can't afford, rolling up this debt. And then they're going to say like, oh, Isaiah, well, your credit score is lower because you didn't pay your Discover card. And I'm like, but wait, you know, I didn't have any money to pay that back. So now, so now, even though you were aware of this the whole time, the whole time, now my credit score is low. And now I got to do all of this extra work to get my credit score up. And now I can't buy a home. I can't get a car. When I was minding my own business, going to class, and you were shoving credit cards into my hand. And you did that intentionally as a target. And these white kids who's got their daddy paying for everything, you didn't offer them any credit cards because their dad was going to pay it off. That's what I mean when I say a tool of white supremacy. Literally giving you a credit card and a water bottle, a t-shirt and debt. And I think it's so interesting that, because I used to see them on campus too, that you're doing it on a college campus, (laughs) knowing good and well that also when these kids, if and when these kids graduate, also have that student loan debt on top of (laughs) this debt from this credit card. So fast forward 10 years. I'm out of college and I have, I want to start a business Mm. and I need some seed money to start my business. And I take my black ass down to ABC bank. I'm just going to say ABC bank. The first thing you're going to say to me, oh, Mr. Webster, your credit score is four. I don't know, 450 something low. Sorry. Sorry, sis. (laughs) This is a great business model. We like this idea. We love that you're trying to sell butt plugs, but we can't. (laughs) We cannot supplement this business because your credit is crap. Come back when your credit score is higher. You see how now I'm stuck in this really toxic cesspool of foolishness and fuckery. I have an idea. I'm educated. I now know better. But you got me when I when I didn't know better, when I needed the money, when I needed the credit card. And so now I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate you for selling butt plugs. But <laughs> completely on brand. Okay. 
<laughs> but also, again, it is a then a vicious cycle because how am I going to improve my credit score if I do not have enough money from these low ass paying (laughs) wages to then pay back the debtors because I am still trying to live paycheck to paycheck. So what I am going to do also in case of emergency is throw one of these utility bills on again, set credit cards. And it's a vicious cycle. So let me tell you how the other, let me tell you how, how affluent people do this. They have generational wealth that they pass down from generation to generation Mostly it's, it's usually either real estate or land or, or, or stock. And so that's how they circumvent this. And so you, you get the house, your, your first home isn't a home that you necessarily purchased on your own. It's a home that was significantly subsidized for you or passed down to you. And so therefore you don't need a credit card on campus. You don't need to get some line of credit if you want it. Sure. But you have generational wealth. You, that's where your money is. And therefore, when you own your own home, when, you're, when your parents owned a business, then they're just passing this down to you. You're going to take care of it. You're going to pass it down to your children. And so that cycle replenishes itself. Everything that I was just talking about is the same type of cycle in reverse. When you don't have good credit and you don't have a, a good understanding of how this all works, then that's that's your cycle. And it takes a lot of work to break that cycle. Because if you're the first person in your family to actually break out of the cycle and have a little bit of uh, disposable income, mm-hmm. you have a little disposable income, then what happens, Bianca? Auntie, cousin, sister, brother are always knocking at your door. Hey, Bianca, can I, you got $50. And so stop me if I, if I lie, that's how that works. And so it takes a long time to get out of that cycle and to be like, you know what? I can't give you $50 because I'm actually saving up to buy my first home, or I'm saving up to put down a, a, a larger down payment on this car. And so these are hard things to break. And if you, and if you're from a family unit that for generations, you don't have to deal with that. Then it's just a whole nother landscape. I've shared one last thing, Bianca, and and I'll leave it alone. I think I shared on this show one time, I was having a conversation with some white friends who are very privileged and they were talking about their first homes. And I don't don't know how we got onto the subject, but they had gotten their first homes before they were 21 years old. And I was like, how is that even, how is that even possible? Because somebody gave it to them, somebody gave them a cute down payment. Of course, but it was just, it was, to me, it was, it was just mind blowing how like what I thought was so like amazing and in, in like the sense of, wow, you own your first home before you even got out of college. They were like, yeah, what do you mean? Of course I did. And I was like, I need to go outside and like do something because this is, this is crazy to me. I don't understand. I, 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 it, as a parent, (laughs) I, it is, it is my hope and, and the husband and I are trying to put things in place so that our kids don't have to take out student loans, right? Like it it was the very first money made, you know, the husband was on here talking about stocks. (laughs) So wiser thinking about doing things differently, knowing what we know now, how much of a trap it is. And because I want better for my kids, I have to really think about how to position them. One, not to make sure that they're smart about money, period. So that when they get on said college campus, they are not signing their name to shit. 
Okay. No, (laughs) but also just making sure that they, I don't, I don't want check to check for them. Right. Like I don't want all of the years because it takes so much time to rebuild that their trash ass credit score. That's the other, that's the other thing too. It, It can be ruined so quickly, but will take years years so even like you said stuff that you did in your 20s when you're 30 and 40 and now you want to do something different is oh it takes seven years to drop off uh <laughs> for that to, and drop to off be your clear credit board, so you can't get is, that right and this is and this is legal discrimination because this is how they keep us out of the apartment that they don't want us to be in this is how they keep mm-hmm. us out of all these other things oh well you're you know what you have to have a minimum credit score of whatever and it's like this this is the institutionalized way that we legally discriminate against people mm-hmm. through no fault of their own mm-hmm. so it is not their fault that they weren't born as rich as the next person. It is not their fault that they had to take out these loans or do credit cards to eat or to pay for books or to whatever the reason is. And so, but they will suffer the consequences of those inequalities and all in the name of, oh, we want to make sure that we know that you can, you can pay this back. Interesting. When I was on college, when I was on that college campus, you weren't too concerned with my ability to pay it back. But now that I want to get an apartment, now you need to know that I can pay the rent. But when you gave me the credit card, you weren't concerned. Okay. With, gotcha. With, with not a stitch of income to pay not it back. A stick. I spent all of my, all of my day in class, but suddenly I was, I, but then it was okay. Mess throw it away. But this is money made. This is why we're here. (laughs) And if this segment felt all over the place, I don't even care. I feel like we needed to say some things at the top of this money made just to kind of call it out. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the, the rest of the month can be a little bit more of a deeper dive on some of those. But, but really just to call it out, because this is the system that we are in and that whole pulling self up by bootstraps is just full of shit. And that's where, that's where also these things show up, right? Like if you just worked harder and did better, you could have, and you wouldn't be in this situation. And we know that's lies. Complete lies. Lies. How are we pulling up the, the boots when they're literally filled with cement and shit? We have caught people. I know we got to go. We have caught people, um, undervaluing black homes mm-hmm. uh, for appraisals. Ooh. You send, you put a white couple in there and they get a higher, like all sorts of bullshit institutionalized racism that's happening. So don't even come to me about working harder, saving more. Even if, even when you do all of that, people still find ways to shortchange BIPOC people, undervaluing our shit, our businesses, our homes, our all the rest of it, underpaying us for our labor, not paying our ancestors for their labor. I could go on and on. Mm. So we don't even need to have a conversation about not working enough, not saving enough. We've worked plenty. Actually, we have s- centuries of uncompensated labor. Let's have a conversation about that. Centuries. Again, run them reparations. Ha-ha. Run <laughs> Run us our thing. <laughs> Y'all gonna turn me completely. <laughs> then, then maybe I could pay down some of this debt and, and get the score up. Neither here nor there. Um, it is May. I am excited to announce our May Warden Webster Better You Book Club book. You thought it was gonna be about money? It's not. 
because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And you know, that is one of my favorite topics. So the book for May is The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. Navigate an unequal system, learn tools of emotional wellness, and get the help you deserve by Dr. Rita Walker. This book came out in 2020, so fairly recent. It got five stars. So that was one of the things that made me go, huh, it got five stars on that there Amazon with thousands of ratings and reviews. It is on hard copy and on audio. So you know I'm going to listen because that's me. So let's just really quick what it's about. Um, so it says an unapologetic exploration of the Black mental health crisis and a comprehensive roadmap to getting the care you deserve in an unequal system. We can't deny it any longer. There's a Black mental health crisis in our world today. Black people die at disproportionately high rates due to chronic illness, suffer from poverty, undereducation, and the effects of racism. This book is an exploration of Black mental health in today's world, the forces that have undermined mental health progress for the African-American, and what needs to happen for African-Americans to heal psychological distress, find community, and undo years of stigma and marginalization in order to access effective mental health care. All of the things that I am about, because I want us Black people to be well. So that is our book. We are actually going to be reviewing it June 3rd, um, because Isaiah said he will be in, in Paris. So, you know, we got to shuffle some things around, because Isaiah in Paris. But yeah, that's it. So make sure you get the book, and we will definitely make sure we drop the link, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. To recap the things, the Met Gala happened and Lil Nas X was covered in pearls with that ass out. And that's literally, <laughs> that's all we care about. And Serena's having another baby. So we are thrilled. Let's, let's just take a moment to appreciate the boo. Thank you, Ed, for coming on. Thank you for ooh, your patience and temerity to deal with Isaiah Webster III. I know your karma points will be strong, but thank you for coming on, being fun, just, just being a light to uh, the darkness and foolishness of this show. Thank you, Ed. Isaiah, you want to say something? You came off mute. Go ahead. And thank you, boo. Isaiah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, darling. <laughs> No, I don't have anything to say. Um, I'm so glad that I was able to join the show. And um, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all. I didn't got to do. Money May is here. Just a reminder, um, <laughs> Black and brown folks, you are more than that their credit score. Okay. And hey, do do what you got to do. Um, and get ready because Money May is going to be, and we'll sprinkle in some surprises. I don't know. We'll see. No promises. I can't, I can't make any promises today. I won't. Um, make sure that you get our book. Listen to Ward and Webster every Saturday, wherever you listen to this here iconic podcast. Or you can check us out at wardenwebster.com. Follow us on the socials at Ward and Webster. That is our handle on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook. Sometimes we post things, sometimes we don't. I don't know. You just can give you gonna get but always tell your friends share this share this good shit because we like it anything else no i don't think so this is a fairly long show already so i think we could just get on out this door and come back next week with our crowns on i'm <gasps> isaiah webster <laughs> i am bianca always growing and improving ward 
Thanks for listening and we are out. Thank you.